0: Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Tonight we're talking football, Sunbelt Conference football with voices of voices of the teams. Jay Walker from the, the Raging Cajuns and Danny Reed from the Georgia Southern Eagles. Before we get started with the man to my left. Danny, how are you
1: this evening? I'm just fantastic. I know you guys are as well. Well,
0: we're going to let Jay make up his own mind. Jay, are you fantastic?
1: Uh, I am.
0: I'm fantastic. I uh, got into town a little while ago,
2: got a little work done. Now I'm here visiting with you guys. Tomorrow we're going to get on a plane,
0: so it's all good. You know what the best thing about getting on a plane tomorrow is the game is 11 a.m. on Saturday, so we'll be home before 2 in the morning. I, I should knock on wood real time. Although I don't think this is particle board, which is still wood, but hey.
1: That is what we did two weeks ago up in Madison, played at 11 a.m. How sweet was that? It was cool. Nice. Yeah,
2: yes. I, I don't know that I'm excited about, you know, bringing the bags down so the
0: bomb-sniffing dogs can go through them at 8.15 in the morning, but other than that, i 15 yeah, But 8.15 <laughs> is better than 7 a.m. that that I was expecting cuz last the last couple of times it's been 4 hours before the game. Well, yeah, but in
2: this particular case, I think it was okay. Get the dogs get on the bus. Let's go. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's true too. That's true too. All right, enough about that. Last weekend, let's start out with your game. How surprised <laughs> were you Danny with your uh your team's performance? I I guess I I don't know anything about Ball State except the that I lived up there and I know they're not the upper echelon of, uh, of the football world, but at the same time, a little surprise.
1: Oh, you go on the road. You're never expecting to beat somebody like that. It doesn't matter who it is. And considering that ball state came here last year on homecoming and was leading the game with seven and a half minutes left, Georgia Southern needed 14 points to pull that game out. So it looked fine, but You go back and look at it, Ball State was in position to win that game, if not for a couple late touchdowns. But the way that Georgia Southern just thoroughly dominated offensively, running whatever they wanted to. Defensively, they were aggressive. They got off the field. They they forced six three and outs. And then special teams, Michael Lance hits all four of his field goals. Alex Smith, who's the freshman punter from Australia, he had his best game. It, it It was a complete performance something you kind of felt that they were building towards. And now that they've done it with eight games still to play, at least, it's just about replicating that. And hopefully a sellout crowd and everything else that's going on here on Saturday will help them do that. I I was, I was not necessarily pleasantly surprised, but it was just a, Holy hell, you're doing this in somebody else's house. It it just doesn't happen like that very often. Dave, did you get
0: a chance? I know we had our game, but it was, later in the evening i think y'all i i
2: followed it um you know this is a game where you know georgia state was about a touchdown favorite and um and they just came out and 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 it was it's not like okay you you got your footing toward the end of the first half and uh you know no georgia state came out from the get-go i'm georgia southern did i call you georgia state just now yeah okay twice Okay. Uh, no burden for you. George. Uh, that team from Georgia came out and and just dominated from the very beginning. So props. The to Eagles, the, Jay. Uh, the Eagles. I, I was about <laughs> to say props to the Eagles <laughs> for their performance. Okay, let's move on from that game. Uh, if- By the way, when we play Georgia State, the over-under on the number of times I call them Georgia Southern is going to be about four and a half.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over on that.
0: <laughs> I'll I'll let you know, uh, Troy, and I'll actually count because he'll he'll say he didn't say, and I'm going to be going like, let's go to the videotape here. <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to you're going to have a, pro, a progressive commercial? No, I. That's the old. Uh, you got a um, Warner Wolf. You got a, a, a red flag to to throw down. But that's actually you. I don't know if you knew who, know who Warner Wolf. Is. I of course I know who Warner. Okay, Wolf is. Warner Wolf used to say. You know, things like that. Let's go to the videotape. Or if you had uh, Ball State in 36, you lost. So that's how I should have started out the show, but I didn't. So we got a Warner Wolf uh, reference. It. I don't even know if the, the old guy's alive anymore. But so you still enjoy listening to Warner Wolf on the Don Imus show. So, but moving on. Troy gets upset. I won't say upset. They get beat by James Madison the week before, and then they have Western Ken- Kentucky coming into their house this weekend. Uh, a Troy with a 27-24 victory, but surprised again that it's that close or anything? I mean,
1: Danny? No, not at all. And speaking from experience, because Georgia Southern is running what Western Kentucky was, so I know how tough it is to – try to stop, even though Troy has one of the better defenses in the league. And I know that's where that Carlton Marshall, he finally finished after 18 years down there. But I think the play that everybody talks about and should is the Hail Mary at the end of the first half, because if that doesn't happen, I don't know if Troy wins the game. Jay. You know,
2: Western Kentucky is going to put up points on just about everybody they play. And, and although Troy is good defensively, you know, the, I had a feeling this was going to be a very tight game, and it was. Uh, glad that Troy was able to put out a, pull out a win. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Western Kentucky, I think, has more than a puncher's chance of playing in the championship game in Conference USA this year. So that's a worthy opponent that went to Veterans Memorial Stadium. and And when you play a good opponent, And you win. I don't care if you're at home or on the road. I don't care if you win by three or thirty-three. If you win
0: uh, and you're playing a worthy opponent, it's a good win. I'm see mentioned uh, uh, James Madison the week before against Troy, but James Madison goes into Logan, Utah, against Utah State. I know it's not Utah. I know it's not BYU, but at the same time, Jay, a forty-eight to thirty-eight victory for James Madison. you know, James Madison had that game well in
2: hand, and then and then almost tried to give it away. Sounds um, familiar, and yeah, and uh, and and so it wound up being the score that it was. But I don't think it was indicative that uh, you know James Madison really controlled that that thing for most of the game, and then Utah State came roaring back late. Uh, wasn't quite good enough, but I know that JMU fans and I, and I'm sure Coach Signetti as well. Uh, you know, they they got on the plane to come home and. He said, oh, I can't wait to go to the tape. So I'll have something to yell at him about because there was uh, there was plenty uh, late in the game that they
0: didn't do very well. Danny, I know you guys had a, a, a flight home after your game, which was an earlier game, but and, and able to follow that game at all?
1: I remember when we got on the plane, I thought it was 24 nothing, and then we land and it's 38-38. So we're thinking, okay, what happened out there? But It was their third straight road game. They've had emotional wins at Troy, at Virginia, after the weather delay. But So to do what they've done is really impressive. And I think I saw where Utah State at one point in the second quarter had negative 22 yards of offense. So that, that's, that's almost unheard of. The thing that mars the whole game is the whole cell phone incident. And that's not the first time that that's happened to JMU. I think they had a Western road trip a few years ago and something very similar happened. Jamie, you was right to get reprimanded. You, you you can't do stuff like that on the sideline. I, I know that their program has a certain aura because of what they've done, and well, now they're twelve and three since they moved up to the FBS. But you just wonder if something like that, something as simple as an event like that, while it didn't have an impact on the game, if there are supernatural forces that don't cause them to come back to reality at some point this year. If you catch my drift,
2: you're saying karma's a bitch.
1: In in so many words, yes, probably. Okay. I, I just
2: thought I'd help you on that. Uh,
0: one game that I actually passed up because I made my screen too big so that Jay could see. Um, Appreciate that. And that I can see as well, because I am further from the screen. But Thursday night, uh, Georgia state went to coastal Carolina and dominated that game. But at the same time, I, I shouldn't say at the same time, the thing that I thought was they made McCall, look a little foolish. I mean, you know, is that just because new offensive line? Did you get a chance to see that game?
1: Danny, sorry. Yeah. When you've got a guy that was really, really, really successful doing things a certain way on offense and you ask him to change that just a little bit, you better be prepared for different results. Now, look, he's still the three-time conference player of the year coming into State's on Saturday, and we're going to give him all the praise that he has earned because he's earned it. He's going to go down statistically as one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played FBS football. But he's running a scheme now that's not designed for him. Jamie Chadwell's system was specifically designed to highlight all of his skills, and he played like it. Now, a lot of the numbers he has, almost all the numbers he has is because of that, he's being asked to throw the ball a lot more and a lot differently than he was the previous three years. That doesn't mean he's not capable of winning games with his arm because he beat Georgia Southern with his arm up in Conway last year. They rallied from double digits down with 12 minutes left and won that game. But his running numbers are nowhere near what they usually are. They're not running the football effectively with any of those running backs. They've only got one starter back on the offensive line and defensively while they're a little bit more aggressive, it, they're not playing complimentary football. It, it seems like it's a bunch of square pegs and round holes, still a boatload of talent. So when it clicks, look out. But if it doesn't, then it's just going to be a bunch of this up and down, up and down all season long. Now, if they figure it out in States, bro, this Saturday, everything's going to be fine. But if they don't, there's going to be a lot of questions.
0: Jay, yeah, you know, you, you meant you mentioned karma earlier and, and, I almost went to uh, the example of New England with uh, maybe not the cell phone, but the taping of the practice and everything, Spygate. But you kind of saw the same thing when Tom Brady went to Tampa, you know, new system. And finally he had to convince his coach, let me do what I can do. Is this a similar situation? It it, it could be.
2: Um, you know, I, I think that there were a lot of folks when, when Chadwell left and they, and they named Tim Beck, I think there are a lot of people, first of all, that were a little surprised with the hire, but secondly, I I think that, I think a lot of people saw this coming, okay? That's the best way I could put it. I'm not sure a lot of people are surprised about what they're seeing because of the fact, that, just as Danny said, that offense was designed for McCall to be uber successful, and he was. He doesn't have that offense anymore. While they still have talent, Look, let me tell you something. you got to be able to at least show that you can run the football, even if you don't run it like 30 times in a game, even if you're going to go out and throw it as many times as Georgia Southern is throwing it. um, You still got to be able to show you can run the football. And I'm not sure that Coastal Carolina, with uh, all those starters on offense missing, I'm not sure they can run the football. And you combine that with a new system, they better figure it out in a hurry because if they don't, um th- there are gonna be some some people in Conway that ain't gonna be
0: real happy. Jay, uh this is uh the Nevada Texas State game was was very interesting. Be- before we go to that, yep. okay, because it was a conference game. Darren Granger
2: is putting up player of the year numbers for Georgia State. Now, they've never been four 0 before. Um Granger's getting it done with his arms and his legs. This Georgia State offense is very impressive to me from what I have seen uh, in a couple of games so far this year. Uh, I don't think I don't think they're, them being 4-0 is a fluke. I think that's a very good football team, and I think Granger is kind of the 2023 version of Grayson McCall in that he's got the ability to take over a game by himself, I think.
0: He's good. Any final comments on that game, Danny, or you want to smack Jay around and tell him why he's wrong? I'm
1: joking. Well, Haven't having watched it for another reason than just watching a Belt game on a Thursday night. I've talked with Joe Cash about it a couple of times. I'm really looking forward to seeing him on Saturday. I, I love him to death. But it, it was just the fact that Georgia State knew exactly what they wanted to do, exactly who they were. Coastal didn't. Coastal may not figure that out for a while. If they do Saturday, it's going to be the Coastal team that's won 31 games in the last three years. Otherwise, you've got a bunch of Chadwell guys with Beck guys, and they're just going to start throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. They've got enough talent to beat anybody in the league, but if not everybody's pulling on the same side of the rope, it's not going to matter
0: yeah we uh we started going there Texas State uh hosting Nevada and uh look I you we were you were in the booth I like look, I looked during a commercial
2: break I look at the score and Texas State is down 17 to nothing to a team that might be the worst team in the FBS this year and and I'm going oh my God look at this and then you know then they said okay enough and uh they wind up winning. 35 to 24. It actually was 35-17, I think, before Nevada scored their their last touchdown. Um, nice job coming back after a dreadful start. But boy, that's a game that you can't afford to lose at home and good for Texas State that they didn't. But uh, do you remember a few years ago, Craig, and this is quite a few years ago, this is during the HUD years, We played New Mexico State and they jumped out to like a 21 to nothing lead. And we came back and won like 53 to 28 or something like that. I'm sure the fans felt in San Marcos Saturday kind of the way we felt watching New Mexico State take
0: that big lead when they came to Cajun Field that time. That was an early October game. It was a whiteout. The weather was perfect. And next thing, first thing you know, it's 14 to nothing. And I don't think half the people had gotten to their seats yet. Because the tailgating was kicking at that time. So crazy, crazy the things that you remember sometimes. It's the first time I think that we actually had a whiteout that I remember. So but Danny, good. but good for Texas State. Yep. Texas State, Nevada, your thoughts or anything?
1: I think just like Jay, when you see it's 17 nothing, you're wondering, okay, this is a Texas State team we're supposed to believe in, and realize they gave up two short fields because of turnovers, but then whatever. <laughs> Whatever was said in the locker room by GJ Kenny, it worked because not only do they throw the ball, they run the ball. They've got a what turns seems to be a stud of linebacker and Brian Holloway, who was the player of the week. He played every snap, which guys do not do anymore. I mean, Georgia Southern is known it's it's out of out of the norm if a guy plays fifty snaps with the way the Eagles have done their defense through the first four games this season. So to play every snap is is just nuts, but. The way he has come in and affected people's mindset this quickly, for them to be 3-1, and one, that's usually what they've done in a season since what they won seven games in 14, but they didn't have enough bowls in the league yet, so they didn't go. But for them, it's been a way to bide time before men's basketball, Olympic sports, and to-degree baseball. We've talked to before that last year it was, all right, if South Alabama ever figures it out, look out. And they got the coach, got the money. Got the facility, got the indoor, look out. I know they just stubbed their toe a little bit, but year in and year out, as long as Kane Womack is there, they're going to be tough to deal with Texas State is spending money finally. They're going to get their indoor $37 million worth. Hopefully they can hang on to Kenny for what he has done so quickly in four games, what nobody was able to do the previous seven years. Texas State was another one. They were the top budget in the league before three of the four newbies came in and bumped them down, but still, They've got the facilities, they've got the resources, they're starting to spend. They've got the right guy, it would seem. Look out for Texas State. I would not be surprised if they represented the West in the championship game this year. I know that might be early, but I'm not going to be surprised at all with the way that he has flipped that thing that quickly.
0: You bring up South Alabama. South Alabama hosts Central Michigan. I'm not saying Central Michigan's a bad football team. I, won't, <laughs> I don't think they're a good football team at all. But, you know, South Alabama was supposed to be one of the tops in the West here, then along with Troy. They were supposed to go to Tulane and represent us well. They didn't. Is there something going on in South Alabama that we don't know about, or is it just
1: football? They no, don't. I think that I, I think that Tulane is still really good. I know that Michael Pratt's been hurt, but Tulane is still really, really good. I wasn't expecting South Alabama to go win that game. But the Central Michigan game, you got to win that game. You can't be a two-score favorite at home and give up the game-winning score with 13 seconds left. I know it happens sometimes, but not in a game like that, especially when a lot is expected of you. And I know some people floated out there, oh, they might be a New Year's Six candidate. That's all well and good for conversation, but that was going to be a pipe dream at best. Definitely a contender to win the West, which I still think they can be because they haven't jumped into league play yet. They're going to get a shot this weekend against James Madison, which good luck. But like we'll talk about with a lot of teams that have struggled so far, every goal is still in front of you. At this point, if you're 0-1 in conference or you're 1-0 in conference, every goal is still in front of you. You just can't let an experience like that against a team you should have beaten become a second, a third, a fourth, and however many losses you're going to have this year. I made the comment to um,
2: Coach Mike, uh, you know, coming off the, the loss to Old Dominion. I said, you know, Ricky Bussell was probably the first coach I ever heard say this. And it's you can't let a team beat you twice. And, yeah. you know, you lost the game to Central Michigan. You blew the game to Central Michigan. I know in a week where the Sun Belt, in my opinion, should have had a perfect week out of conference. Um, and they didn't. But you got to be able to flush that because you're playing a very good football team this weekend on the road. So you better have taken that experience against Central Michigan and got it out of your system quick. Because if you haven't, James Madison's got the ability to make it really ugly um, up in Harrisonburg this weekend if South Alabama's not totally ready to play.
0: Jay, I know Southern Miss has had its moments at times, but at the same time, they've struggled at times. But and, and as long as you got Frank Gore Jr., you've got an opportunity to do something. But at the same time, you go to Jonesboro and lose to a bad Arkansas State team. Natural freshman out of nowhere,
2: they decide he's going to get the start. And he's responsible for five touchdowns in that game. And Arkansas State comes alive. I mean, they, you know, it's, you know, what's the old saying? Um, there is a pulse. Well, there's a pulse, and his name is uh, Jalen Rayner. 233 yards on just 11 completions. Uh, Threw for three, ran for two. Uh, Had uh, 97 yards uh, in the game rushing. Quarterback was a big issue for Arkansas State. I think they found their guy. Now, going to to the other side of the coin, Southern Miss has no had no business losing that game. You know, they're they're gonna kick, they're gonna kick a field goal to to stretch their lead. And uh yeah, that didn't that didn't work out so well. So um good for Arkansas State. They're two and two after being outscored 110 to three in their first two games. Um but I I think there are a lot of folks that are starting to question. Southern misses ability, based on the games that they've played so far. After that game, you can't blame people
0: for questioning their ability. Danny, you get an opportunity to to follow that game and all. I, 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 that was probably one that you were on the plane again.
1: I would. Think. Yeah, we. It, it a little surprising just because it hasn't worked with butch jones yet i don't know if this is a trampoline or a launching point but when you get a freshman quarterback a true freshman as jay mentioned go for five touchdowns in a conference game it grabs you now do you do it again and again and again or is it going to be the same old two and ten three and nine and they need to figure it out in jonesboro on the other side for southern miss the heart says well, Will Hall is still the right fit. They've got Frank Gore. They won a bowl game last year after not being good the year before winning three games. The head says they don't have a quarterback. They beat a 5-7 and seven team in that bowl game that was only there because of an APR, Grace. So is Southern really on the way back, or is it just the loudness of a culture that perceived them? to be back. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but take what they did last year with a grain of salt and see where they go from here. I I, I just don't know if their improvement was the rebirth of what they did in the early 2000s when they were maybe the best non-power five team out there consistently every year.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like with you in that. I, I'm not really ready to sell that it's going to be a failure because I do think Will Hall is a good coach and I think he he will eventually get them playing better. But at the same time, if it's not this season,
1: we're starting to see some really good football come out of the Sunbelt. You you can't stub your toe. You can't have an off week in this league anymore before you could look at a schedule and say, oh, well, we can be fine there. Oh, that trip's not going to be worrisome. And every week, You better have your gloves laced up, and you better be ready to fight because everybody in this league can beat everybody in this league.
0: Jay, App State goes to Wyoming. I don't know much about Wyoming, but at the same time, your App State. What goes on there?
2: Well, you know, Wyoming was good enough to beat Texas Tech at Wyoming, okay? They also were right in the game against Texas until late when Texas pulled away there's something about playing at 7,200 feet. That's not the easiest thing in the world. Okay.
1: <laughs> even, even, you know,
2: app makes a, a big deal out of their 3,300 feet. Okay. Laramie is 7,200 feet. And with all that, and I misspoke a minute ago when I talked about Southern Miss, cause this is, this is the, let's go for the field goal. That didn't turn out very well. You know, app state, has got a lead. They're going to add to the lead with a field goal. Wyoming blocks it, returns it for a touchdown, and Wyoming winds up winning the game 22-19 when, uh, you know, Southern, uh, when uh, App, App was getting ready to go up, I think, six. Um, and, you know, breakdown in special teams, and uh, Wyoming wins. That's one that got away, okay, for App State. That is one that got away just like with South Alabama, one that got away. I still believe
0: that the Sun Belt should have been undefeated in non-conference games last week. Yeah. Danny, have you all played up uh, with any team that you've been with in in Laramie, Wyoming,
1: or like that type of situation? No, but I feel jealous of him because he's been there for basketball too, right? Uh, It was a basketball game that I went
2: up there for, yeah. I haven't been up there for football, uh, but was up there for basketball.
0: Yeah, we were supposed to go for football, but that game, through various reasons, got canceled.
2: Well, the COVID year is is when it got canceled. And, you know, and the last time we had a rain delay, that's number three as opposed to the first two weeks. You know, Gerald talked about the the time the Cajuns did go to Wyoming, 74 degrees and sunshine. And then uh, after halftime, a cold front came through. It started to snow. And they did not have any warm weather clothes because the uh, weather forecast was it wasn't going to get cold till that night. And instead, the front came in in the third quarter. They went from seventy-four degrees to 28 and snow. I I don't have any desire to go up there for a football game. I don't. (laughs) All right. Unless it's the season opener. In week zero,
0: all right. Moving on, uh, we'll, we'll go back to Jay with this. Since the, the Cajuns in Buffalo, the, the game was not close to what the score was. Similar to, I forgot which other game that we talked about, but the, the Cajuns got to do a better job in closing out games, I guess.
2: Well, they had a they had an inopportune turnover deep in their own territory on a freshman mistake by the freshman quarterback. But they also muffed a punt, again, third time in four weeks. They failed to recover an onside kick, again, second time in two weeks. And they finished on the wrong side of the turnover battle, again, for the third time in four weeks. You're going to play a Big Ten team this week, albeit a middle-of-the-pack one? And if you don't play a hell of a lot better in the kicking game and in in the turnover game, if you can't get in the plus column there, that game is not going to be a really competitive game if the Cajuns don't clean up what has bitten them two weeks in a row toward the end of the game. And I'm just keeping it real here. Now, they you know we'll talk, I'm sure, about Minnesota in a little bit. But that's two weeks in a row that you've had those kind of breakdowns. You lost the turnover battle. Your special teams were poor. And what's the old saying? It happens once it's it's a fluke and twice it's a trend. Well, they got to break that trend starting this week. Because with conference play coming up, I don't know that they're going to be good enough to beat a lot of teams making as many mistakes
0: as they've made late in the game the last two weeks. Danny, you get a chance to follow that game at all, or was uh, you sh- were you home by then, or close to it?
1: I think we got home about eight thirty or so. So I have checked all the scores. We were on the bus back to back to Statesboro. I'd known that Cajuns got up pretty big early, and then saw that Buffalo had closed late. I'm really surprised about Buffalo. We have the we played them in the bowl game last year when. They beat the Eagles and they ended up finishing with a winning record. But to see them start 0 and 4 is uh, there's, there's there's some things going on up there, apparently. Yeah, they, yeah, that's with 19 starters
2: that are either seniors or graduate students. I mean, that's a yeah, veteran football team that's sitting there in 0 and 4. And I agree. The only explanation for this is they may have some chemistry
0: issues there. All right, our final game that I want to discuss uh, is the Virginia Techs heads into Marshall, and uh, Marshall takes that game for the fourth week in a row. Sunbelt Belt uh, takes down a Power Five opponent. Danny, any uh, opportunity, uh, chance there that you saw any of that, or
1: I did. I, I... Like the other ones, I saw what the final was, and it didn't surprise me. I don't think Virginia Tech's very good, even though they are a power five team. I thought that Marshall would be able to get that one. I feel bad that they got reprimanded for the drone video because I thought that that was a really cool thing that they did. That that, that was an awesome shot. I, I guess you'll take the bad with the good because you've got the moment, even though it was kind of got the scarlet letter on it or whatever because of the league reprimanding it. But if the Sunbelt Player of the Year race is between two people, it's between Darren Grager and Rasheen Ali through four weeks. Ali is letting everybody know this year what he was like as a freshman. Did not play last year up until the Georgia Southern game when he appeared with Kalen Labor and you're trying to stop two of them at the same time with that monster offensive line and a quarterback that was starting to get really, really confident. He still hasn't lost a game since that winning streak began last year when they were four and four. I think Marshall and JMU is fixing to be a hell of a game when it happens. But I I think we're still all chasing JMU right now. Now, that could change depending on what South Alabama team shows up in Harrisonburg this week. But to know that the Sun Belt now has beaten a Power 5 team in four consecutive weeks, Jay, you guys have been in the league since it started. That's unheard of. When yeah. when this thing began just about two decades ago, you never would have even thought about that. No, it's true, and and to see, you know, where the league
2: is now, it's um, you know, it's it's really impressive. Now, as far as Marshall is concerned, defensively they're as good as anybody in this league, and uh, Ali. Is probably the premier running back in this league with all due respects to Frank Gore or anybody else. Here's my question about Marshall. If there's a day where the opposition makes them throw the football, is Fancher going to be good enough to put that team on his back? And I realize that that they, you know, they've got a winning streak going. But can Fancher put that team on his back against a good football team? And go win a game when they can't run the football. And, and I think that's the question that needs to be answered about Marshall. Defensively, I got no questions. I think they're really good.
1: Yeah, it's, as, as long as 55 is on one defensive end, Owen Porter's a stud. He he just is. And the fact that he's a local guy makes it even better. That that team's a force. And Charles helps an awesome interview. I love getting a chance to catch up with him in media day. There are rumors that he may be linked to the Michigan State job, and I think that that would be an outstanding hire if they went with him. It'd be bad for the league because they would lose a really good one, but that may be something they have to deal with the next couple of weeks if they're if that holds water. I like Cuff also. I'm I'm with you on that. All right, guys, you you, you
0: we just talked about Marshall this weekend hosting Old Dominion. Uh, Jay we saw Old Dominion play uh, well and they and they won 10 to 9 over Texas
2: A&M Commerce last week now the weather channel was in Norfolk and there was a tropical storm um, but you know Texas A&M Commerce is a team that's in their second year of FCS football and uh, that is the game that Old Dominion picked up helping the Cajuns out so we could play Buffalo because of the uh, of the hole in our schedule caused by New Mexico State I, I think between the weather and and Old Dominion just looking right past that one, uh, they may have learned, as uh, our former basketball coach Marty Fletcher would say, they learned an expensive lesson inexpensively, and uh, because they still won a football game. But boy, they be- they better have it strapped on this week going to Marshall. And and I think that the the goal for Ricky Ronnie's team is, God, I hope we score.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I was thinking same thing. Uh, sorry, Danny. You mentioned it a couple times. Uh, but Coastal coming to Georgia Southern this weekend. What does Georgia Southern have to do against Coastal to come out on top? I'm not. I'm not saying Coastal is the better team. I'm saying what does. Georgia Southern have to
1: do uh, to 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 take that home? Well, part one was sell out the stadium, which just happened about a half hour ago. So every seat is going to be accounted for. That only means that standing room and grass hill tickets will still be sold. They're trying to break the attendance record. It got set back in 2016. It was 25, 735. So if they can announce that a record is broken, that would be a really cool thing to do against a coastal team that has beaten Georgia Southern three straight times. The reigning East Division champion, they were co-champions in 2020. Yes, they were co-champions. I know that they'll see it differently, but they were co-champions in 2020. And the fact that number 10 is still taking the snaps, they can beat anybody. They just can I know the offense is different. I know that there's a lot of change. But as long as he is still taking those snaps, you better be really, really careful trying to count them out because they did not have a good performance on national television. If they get their run game going, if they figure out their defense, they still have the dudes. That being said, even though they played well enough against UCLA to win, they didn't. They handled their business against Jacksonville State, who just moved up. They beat a Duquesne team that was completely overmatched. And – I think that Tim Beck probably saw a program identity-wise that he wants to get to. Not that they're going to beat Georgia State, but Georgia State has an identity. Sean Elliott has been there. He's the longest tenured coach in the league. They know exactly who they are. Coastal is trying to figure out who they want to be. And if they do it in front of a sellout crowd at Paulson on Saturday night, then the story about them goes from here to here in one game. Because right now, everybody is counting them out. It's easy to say – that they are going to take the slip. Tim Beck doesn't know what he's doing. There's a lot of problems because they changed the Chadwell system. Chad Staggs is gone. They're not Mohawking anymore. There's no Mighty Mites on the offensive line, the ankle biters. It's not the Coastal that we've gotten to know. A team that was overflowing with confidence and probably a little bit arrogant because of what they did because nobody could beat them. Now people are starting to beat them. Do they change it Saturday? That's up to them. But I do know that Georgia Southern has had this one circled for a while. The fact that there's a bye week is a really good thing because a lot is going into this. So they may need some time to decompress and let it go out of them. If they handle the environment, I like Georgia Southern's chances. But the team that can handle what they're walking into better is the one that's going to win the game. For Georgia Southern, get the ball out of 10's hands. Make them run the ball.
0: I I know each team is different every year, and I'm I not trying to compare. But doesn't uh, Georgia Southern have some type of record when they reach 25 or 26,000 fans? They're like seven and zero, eight and zero, something like that. Yeah, Daryl Lynn's got those stats um, because she's she, because she's
1: I've seen her post stuff <laughs> since 2010 when the crowd is 20,000 or more. The Eagles are 17 and four. When it's 23 5 plus 7 0 oh all time. Good for well, you. There you go. Now, there it is. It, it Just to
2: show you how much Coastal has lost their identity. Um, I can't. No, I have to. <laughs> you, you, you realize that the quarterback pissed te- uh, yellow last week, it was no longer teal. That's how badly they've lost their identity. Um, so I I look, maybe I'm oversimplifying things, okay? But let me tell you what I think about Georgia Southern. Yeah, you got it. I think if you don't go out and turn it over six times, you're gonna win the game. Okay. I I you know you had that bad game against Wisconsin. Bad hat. if you don't go out and and be really, really kind hosts to the opposition. I think that, uh, I think, I think you're going to win the football game because I really think you're more ready to go out and win as a program right now than Coastal is, judging by what I saw last week. I mean, it, you said it square peg, round hole. So I you know, if yeah. you don't go out and turn the football over, I think you're gonna have success on Saturday.
1: That's that's my prediction. If Clay Helton's first game here when he took over as head coach, not that he was the acting head coach until after the season was over, but he came the day that Coastal was in town, November of 2021. It was an awful day. It rained like hell. Georgia Southern was not in good shape. They got down twenty-eight-nothing at home, which had not happened since nineteen eighty-five, and they lost the game twenty-eight to eight. So there was a lot to correct, a lot of consider and i'm guessing clay helton's thinking man why did i take this job i'm here it's raided it's awful weather there's nobody here what what am i walking into but from what he has been able to do in the last year plus last year was get the thing back on track flip the roster get guys in power five top 25 at bowl game steps were taken positive steps you're in position this year to do a lot more but you need this game to make people believe if it's going to be the big crowd that everybody expects. You perform well, you win in front of it. You're going to be able to get them back, and you're going to be able to get more of their friends back too, because you're going to be able to replicate that multiple times throughout the rest of the season. I, I think it's. I think the fact
2: that we're into conference play now, I think, is great because we're going to have lots to talk about every week, because every game in the league every week is going to be a dogfight, and I'm, I'm excited about conference play uh, starting. You know, Cajuns are out of conference this week but there are conference games going on and then after this week it's you know pretty much nothing but conference play so
0: i'm uh, this league is going to be so fun danny uh, no disrespect to georgia southern and coastal this weekend but is troy georgia state the biggest conference matchup this weekend
1: no you think your game is i'm i'm yes okay there's a reason why this game is on the NFL network. Fair enough. Jay, your thoughts?
0: Um. Yeah, you know, I mean, I...
2: I 1A and 1B for me. You know, I think that this is the week that we find out about Coastal. This is the week we find out about Georgia State because I, you know, I said earlier I talked about how much I like them and how good I think they are. If they can go out and beat Troy, then I think the message is sent to everybody else in the league: we just beat the champions, and um, and they can have the attitude that the championship runs through Atlanta. Now I don't does it. I don't know, but they can certainly leave with that mindset if they can pull off a win. In my opinion, this is as big a game as Georgia State has ever played. Should
1: they be able? Absolutely. to Absolutely, should they be they able to win? Because they've never, never been four zero before. You don't get the league champion there by accident. It's just this is set up, and I have no idea what kind of crowd is going to be there. I know what kind of crowd they're going to tell people is there. Oh
2: no, they you know, they, if, they probably won't have eight thousand people, and 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 if they do, two thousand will be from Troy.
1: <laughs> and I mean, come I on! I know that there's going to be another, there's going to be another video from Barry about the train horn, which I'm really looking forward to.
2: You know, uh, take your, uh, take what you got in your turnstile count, double it, and add ten thousand. I mean, there's your attendance.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't going to ask you, Danny, but I, I, since I, I, Jay brought it up, if if Georgia State's the hosts, the championship game. Do they have more than ten thousand people there to see the game? Ten thousand actual butts in yes. seats. It depends on how much the visitors bring. Okay, I, I don't want you to go there, Danny, unless you feel comfortable
1: and just you know. Yeah, it, it would be best if we moved on.
0: Exactly. All
2: right. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know why he said that? Because been it's been a while since they've beaten Georgia State. Yeah. Right, oh, saying. wow! Yeah. You had to go there now.
0: You, see. Oh, no, we'll really go there wrong. they play each other. And I'm not wrong. Not wrong. I know, but still. All right, Jay. Cajuns head up to Minnesota. 11 o'clock kickoff. We'll be back early. But at the same time, that's not what's exciting about this game. What do the Cajuns need to do to beat a Big Ten team on the road?
2: Well, I've already told you what they have to do to make it competitive. All right? I think in the case of Minnesota – God, this is football 101. You got to go, you got to slow down their running game. You know, I, Minnesota can run the football. They had 300 yards rushing last week. You have got to slow down their running game and make them throw it to beat you. Now, the big question is, is the freshman running back going to play? All right. Cause he got hurt toward the end of the game against Northwestern, did not come back in in the overtime period. And, you know, Minnesota doesn't put out a depth chart. They asked, uh, P.J. Fleck was asked about the player today, and he said, uh, we'll make an announcement 10 minutes before game time. So if if that kid doesn't play, and he's been the Big Ten freshman of the week three weeks running, and he he leads the nation in rushing yards per game, if he doesn't play, what does that do to Minnesota's offense? I think for the Cajuns, it's got to be slowing down the Minnesota offense the Minnesota running game, and then make the quarterback beat you. And I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying what Minnesota wants to
0: do. Danny, any thoughts on that game? I know it's uh, not your game, but at the same time, I know
1: you always have a thought. When I first saw that game, and I had forgotten that the Cajuns were going to Minnesota, but what took me was how low the line was. So apparently Vegas must think that this is more of a possibility than some of those other power five, group of five matchups. Okay. Uh, Danny, we skipped
0: a bunch of games this weekend uh, for various reasons, but anyone that we didn't mention that you want to bring up at all? Actually, the line on that game is down from uh, to minus 11, originally uh, 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Jay? Well, the, the line I saw at the beginning was right at 11. Now, I, I don't know what's happened to it since then because I haven't followed it. Yeah, I saw 12 and a half. It's down, in, in it might be 11 and a half. I'm trying to pull that up. I'm sorry, Danny. Okay. I asked you Did we question.
2: did we talk about South Alabama and James Madison? We did not. Okay. We probably should. Mm. No, we shouldn't?
0: So, why Danny. You, no.
2: why, why you hate James Madison? We haven't talked about it.
0: Oh, oh, okay. That's what your yeah. oh, head heading to. Oh, I don't. Straight. All right, well let's uh, let's go there, and this this will be our uh, our wrap up. Jay, Jay, South Alabama, James Madison, your thoughts?
2: You know, this is South Alabama's season right here, pretty much. You know, I mean, you're two and two, but you expected to be better than two and two. Some people got you picked to win the league. Some of you got are, are picked to win the West. I don't know what happens to your football team if you're two and three after five games. Uh, this is a huge game for South Alabama now. Kane Womack, Kane Womack is going to have a plan. I think he's a really good football coach. But boy, JMU is is last year wasn't a fluke. Okay, it wasn't. They're a good football program, and uh, I think they're pretty good on both sides of the football. Um. It's predicted to be a, a pretty close game. South Alabama's got to be, you know, they, they got to be in striking distance in the fourth quarter and they have to be able to run the football. And James Madison's been pretty
1: stingy all year. Danny? Yes? Well, Danny's well, number one, out one out in the out country. Out Again, at stopping out the out run. run. So big shocker there. But, you know, ordinarily you would say the team that, needs the game more is the one that's going to win and on the outside it's probably south alabama that needs it more because it's two and three you're going to have a tough time keeping that locker room together but jmu's got the interesting situation that right now they still cannot go to the postseason no matter what they do at this moment despite four zero, they cannot go to the postseason but during the teleconference this week Kurt Signetti had some thought-provoking comments that common sense would prevail if JMU continued on this path. Either he knows something, or he's just trying to generate conversation. Either way, if you're JMU, and you're currently a team that can't win anything, you need as many wins as you can. Number one, to keep proving to people that you're for real. And two if for some reason they are the first team that's approved in this waiver process, because this is one, the NCAA has not budged on. If they decide to budge, if JMU keeps winning this league, as a second year transitioning team, you're going to have a tough time keeping them out of that championship game. I'm just saying. Do you think that there's any chance
2: of warm weather in are an icicle Um Do you think that there's any chance that the league decides that JMU can win the conference championship, even if the NCAA says they can't go bowling? Do you think there's an icicle chance in hell that the league changes its mind? Yeah. I say no. If Signetti is talking about he knows something that you don't know, that has to be it.
1: I'm I'm – just him, when he was pressed, because Shane Medlin from the Daily News, he does a phenomenal job, by the way. He does. He's the one good. that he pressed him about it. And he said, read into it what you want. There, there's something going on. Either there's been conversations that are going to happen, kind of have happened. And keep in mind, Jeff Bourne, their AD, is going to retire. So it would be a great parting shot to do this and then tip your steps in and then ride off into the sunset. I just I think that there's a lot more to this that we're going to find out if JMU keeps winning. Now, if they if they don't, it's not going to be as compelling of an argument. But maybe they can't slip because if if you're ten and two, 11 and one, got a great argument for it. But if you're the league champion and for some reason you're undefeated, because they can finish undefeated, there's a realistic chance they can go twelve and zero. If you're that, don't tell me that they're going to keep them out of not only the championship but the postseason the further postseason.
0: All right, guys. Uh, any final thoughts so far on the season? What's coming up or anything like that, Danny?
1: It, it's nice to have a couple three and one teams to talk about, but as good as things can feel. And I, I, I think that Saturday at Paulson is going to be awesome. I, I really do. I think it's going to be an amazing crowd. It's going to be, is going to be something that people probably haven't experienced maybe since the national championship game back in 1989 crowd-wise because the people that were there for that game will say that the crowd that day was bigger than the one that ULM in 16 that set the attendance record. You can argue about that to your blue in the face. But to Jay's point, we're, we're at a time of the year where the whole prep period for most is done. You're You're going to find out what you learned, how much you studied, you're going to get eight tests the rest of the year. And if your pencil's not sharpened and you're ready to ace them, then you will get punched pretty fast and you're going to get humbled. And I love that this time of the year is here because you're going to see what teams are really made of.
0: Thank you. Jay, final
2: thoughts. You know, I, um, I can't disagree with anything that my colleague had just said. I, you know, as, as I said earlier, man, every week, there are going to be games in this league to chat about, to speculate about, to analyze, to, to analyze after the fact. This is going to be an awful lot of fun uh, the rest of the way. If you're someone who just, you know, puts the league in its proper perspective, you know, if if, if it's just about whether your team won or lost that's that's different but if you follow the league and you want to talk about the league and you want to talk about good teams in the league we're going to have plenty to talk about every week this is going to be good
0: absolutely gentlemen thank you both we'll be in touch good luck to to your team danny this weekend hope everyone uh, i hope you kick their ass danny hope (laughs) with all due respects to our good friend joe Cashin, who i love dearly just like you do i i I hope I hope I hope you beat. Them. And in the words of Steve Peliquin, I hope you crush their little faces. So. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you both. You've been listening to We're Talking. I'm Craig Melasong. For Jay Walker and Danny Reed, thanks for listening. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast.
2: Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.